The Lord Jesus said that the works that he did, that those who believe on him would do even greater works. And Father, we're praying for some big things here at Metro Baptist Church. Lord, we continue to bring to you our need for a larger facility where we can grow and where we can have a greater gospel impact. Father, you promised to supply all of our needs, and we believe this is a need if we are going to continue to advance the gospel here. And so please supply this need, and we pray that you would use your people to do so and that you'd stir our hearts as we approach Easter, that we would all give willingly out of what you've given us. Please show each of us exactly what you want us to give to this special offering. And Father, we thank you for how you're working in GAM and in the lives of your people. And Lord, the visitors who've been to church lately, the gospel conversations that we've had, we pray that all this gospel seed that's been planted, uh, that it would bring forth fruit. Lord, we plant and we water, but only you can bring an increase. Only the power of your Holy Spirit can bring someone to salvation and transform their life. And so we're praying that you would do that uh, through these gospel labors, efforts. And Father, our hearts go to those who are struggling with various health issues. We pray for Pastor Turner. We ask that you touch his body and heal him completely. Comfort him in the meantime and uh, comfort Mrs. Turner and their whole family as well. And Lord, we pray for our pastor, uh, that you would heal him of the cancer and continue to uh, bless him with energy and continue to give him wisdom to lead our church. And we pray that you would give him and Mrs. Mackay a refreshing time away. We pray for Mrs. Boyle, that you would heal her back. And Pastor Arbo, that you continue to help his knee to recover well. And we pray for Mrs. Kenor, that her ankle would heal completely and she'd get good results from the biopsy. We pray that you just comfort her heart and help Brother Kenor and the whole family. We pray for Pastor and Mrs. Odom. Uh, we always miss them when they can't be here, and we pray that they would know that. And we ask that you would uh, help Pastor Odom's blood pressure to settle down and uh, that they'd be able to be with us this weekend. And we pray for the Deserpas and Miss Eva and others who have different health challenges. We thank you that you're the great physician. We thank you that beyond just our physical needs, you know what's going on in our hearts, and you've prepared something for us from your word this evening to deal with us on the inside. And we pray that you'd help us all to be attentive and receptive. We pray that your mighty word uh, would do its work in our hearts. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Could you take the word of God with me? And we'll go to Mark chapter 2, the gospel according to Mark chapter 2. You know, this book that we hold in our hands, the Bible, it never ceases to amaze me. You know, as a preacher, when you're, you're going to uh, do a book study and preach through a book, uh, there inevitably are going to be passages that you come to and you think to yourself, you know, could we, could we skip this one? Or, <laughs> uh, and you, you, you approach some of them with a little bit more 
fear or even sometimes maybe dread. And, and sometimes you even wonder, what am I going to be able to bring out of this passage that applies to present-day hearers? And you have all these thoughts, but then again and again, uh, the Holy Spirit of God makes His Word come alive. And uh, the passage we're looking at this evening, I'm amazed at how it applies to each of our lives. And I believe if we're willing to let the Lord teach us, He has something specific uh, for every single one of us tonight. And so we are in Mark chapter 2, and we will begin reading in verse 23 here in a few moments. But I want to give you some introductory statements, perhaps some of them that you can write down if you're taking notes. And a lot of this builds on what we saw last week. But here's a statement I'd like to give you. If your religion does not cause you to know God and become like Him, it's vain. It's empty. If your religion does not cause you to know God personally and become like Him, it's vain. If your religion isn't bringing about a greater love for the Lord and a greater love for those He loves, it's vain. It's vain. If your religion is not bringing about in your heart a greater love for the Lord and those He loves, it's vain. Or we could put these ideas a little more positively, and we could say the whole purpose of our religion, which we don't really like to use that word, but as a catch-all term, of of this Bible that we read daily, of these services that we have where we gather together, the purpose of all of it is to introduce people to their triune creator, the God of the Bible, who is a God of infinite love. And if our religion isn't doing that, it's vain. If it's not helping people get to know the God of love better, it's falling short. Any kind of religion that stops short of fulfilling this purpose of glorifying and declaring this God of love to the world is a vain, empty, shallow religion. And we're going to see that in this passage. So Mark chapter 2, verse 23. We're going to read all the way through chapter 3 and verse 7. So I'll read a verse And then if you read the next verse, so on and so forth, all the way through uh, verse 7 of chapter 3. And so, men, if you could really help lead this. So, Brother Marshall, Brother Josh, Brother Luke, you're kind of in the middle. So, if you could try to anchor everyone. So, follow their lead and try to read together. But I'll begin in verse 23 of Mark 2. And it came to pass that he went through the cornfields on the Sabbath day, And his disciples began, as they went, to pluck the ears of corn. And the Pharisees said unto him, Behold, why do they on the Sabbath day that which is not lawful? And he said unto them, Have ye never read what David did when he had need and was in hunger, he and they that were with him? Also to them. 
And he said unto them, The Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. And he entered again into the synagogue, and there was a man there which had a withered hand. And they him And he saith unto the man which had the withered hand, Stand forth. And he saith unto them, It is lawful to do good on the Sabbath days, or to do evil on And when he had looked round about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he saith unto the man, Stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. But Jesus withdrew himself with his disciples to the sea, and a great multitude from Galilee followed him and from Judea. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your word. We thank you that you have made yourself known to us in the pages of this book so that we can glorify you and enjoy a relationship with you and help others do the same. And Father, as we look at this passage together tonight, we pray that your Holy Spirit would be the true teacher. We ask that your Holy Spirit would guide the tongue of this preacher to say exactly what you once said. And we pray that the Holy Spirit would do that miraculous work of applying these eternal truths to our hearts so that when we leave this place, we are different than how we came We ask that you would lift up and magnify your son in this place, that he would draw each of us closer to himself. We pray that his presence in our midst would be felt. And God, I'm just asking you that you'd help me. Uh, You know I need your help to preach. And so we thank you for what you are about to do in our midst. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I'd like to give you three simple points Uh, in this passage that will really guide our discussion of it and kind of elaborate on those introductory statements that we made. So number one, if you're taking notes, going to look at the Sabbath or God's loving rules. The Sabbath or God's loving rules. In the Bible, we find that God's rules are given to us for a threefold purpose. One, that we might please him. If he doesn't reveal to us what his will is and what we're supposed to do, there's no way we could please him. We couldn't figure it out on our own. So that's why he's given us this book, so that we can live in a manner that pleases him. But then secondly, he's given us his word or his commands in particular so that we might enjoy him, so that we might enjoy him. So he's given us this book so that we might, number one, what? So that we can do what? Good. And then number two, so that we might? Good. So he's given us the word of God so that we will please him, so that we might enjoy him. And then number three, so that we can help others do the same. Because we're not in this on our own. It's not just a selfish endeavor. 
of pleasing him for ourselves, enjoying him for ourselves. There's this community aspect to it, too, where God has given us his word so that we might please him, enjoy him, and then help others do the same. And this matter of the Sabbath illustrates this beautifully for us. In the Old Testament, the Sabbath is introduced, or the idea is introduced in Genesis, when we're told that after God had made everything, that he rested on the seventh day. And that's where we're introduced to this idea of the Sabbath. In Exodus 31, we even read something that is kind of mind-boggling, and it's really an example of God condescending to our level to explain himself in ways that we can understand. And, and we are told in Exodus 31 that by resting on the seventh day after his creation, God was refreshed. Okay? Now, God doesn't get tired. He doesn't get wearied. And so it's hard to imagine him being refreshed. But the Bible is emphasizing there that for the, for the Old Testament Jews, for them to keep the Sabbath, they were following the example of their creator. And by keeping the Sabbath every week, and for the Jew, the Sabbath would begin on Friday evening, and then it would go until Saturday evening. And uh, they couldn't do any work from Friday evening to Saturday evening. They had to rest. They had to keep the Sabbath day. Or as the Ten Commandments put it, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And there in Exodus 20, when the Ten Commandments are being given, the, the children of Israel are pointed back to the creation account. You've got to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy because God rested on the seventh day after creation. And so this, this Sabbath rest is us following the example of our Creator who after He had made everything, took a day to enjoy it in a, a restful, refreshing time. And so by keeping the Sabbath day, God's people would be constantly reminding themselves uh, of, of who it is they are accountable to, their creator. And they would be reminding themselves of their responsibility to follow his example and glorify him on this earth. But then also the Sabbath took on the purpose of commemorating the Jews' deliverance uh, from Egypt. And so... Uh, in different passages, uh, it, would, it would reference how you need to keep the Sabbath day to remember how God delivered you from Egypt. Now, can you imagine being a slave in Egypt? Do you think that Pharaoh's taskmasters were very concerned that the Jews got good rest every week? Of course not. Most likely, they were working seven days a week, and they, they were in very ill spirits, their bodies were broken down, they never got rest as slaves. But when God delivered them from Egypt, he gave them rest. And what a beautiful picture that is for us. You know, we, we weren't slaves in Egypt, we were in the bondage of sin. And the Lord Jesus delivered us from slavery to sin so that we might rest in him. And so there's a lot of beautiful uh, symbolism in the, the, the keeping of the Sabbath. But the general idea that you need to understand is that the Sabbath was something very good that God instituted. That 
would be a constant reminder of their relationship with him as their creator and as their redeemer. And it was a day for them to enjoy. It was a day for them to enjoy. How many of us, you know, throughout a long work week, what do we keep thinking of? Oh, I can't wait to make it to that day off. Or in the middle of a long day, oh, I can't wait to get home and just sit down. Or I can't wait until that moment when I turn off the light and I go to sleep. We're always thinking about rest. We're always craving rest. And so God, who hardwired us to need rest, gave the children of Israel this one day a week that was totally set aside for rest. And knowing, the, the, knowing that the human heart is bent on evil and, and prone to disobey, even these commands that are just totally made for our good, he was very strict about it. And to break the Sabbath... Uh, would incur the death penalty. Now, the, the Jews didn't uphold that, and they, they broke the Sabbath repeatedly. Um, but God established this for their good, to enjoy. And it's a picture of all of God's commands. I, I love Deuteronomy 6, verse 24, where the Bible says, And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes, including the Sabbath, to fear the Lord our God, for our good always. For our good always. That he might preserve us alive as it is this day. You've got to understand, obeying God is equivalent to choosing life. Because God is the life giver. So to please him and to obey him is to choose life. To choose to live as God designed it and enjoy the true essence of life. So to disobey God is to choose death. And it's pictured very vividly. If, if these people chose to disobey God and break the Sabbath, it incurred the death penalty. And one man in the wilderness gathering, uh, gathering firewood on the Sabbath was executed so that everyone would understand God was serious about this. But it was for their good. In 1 John 5, 3, another great verse to jot down. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments and his commandments are not grievous. They are not grievous. And so God had given the Sabbath as this very good thing for his people to enjoy. A day of total rest every week. To enjoy their relationship with him. To remember their deliverance from Egypt. And to rest from their labors. And it's a picture of all of God's commands. All of them are for our good always. They are all loving rules if you will. Now what the Pharisees had done is they had taken something that was created to be good, to cre created to be a joy, created to be something that brought refreshment to the people of God on a weekly basis, and they made it this excruciatingly unbearable set of rules. And uh, they, they, they made a track with 39 different headings of what constituted work on the Sabbath day. And then people had to study those. And then there was all kinds of disagreement among the rabbis. What, was, what constituted work on the Sabbath day and what didn't? And one of these rabbis wrote, The rules about the Sabbath are as mountains hanging by a hair. For scripture is scanty and the rules many. If you do a study of the Old Testament specific rules concerning the Sabbath, 
There aren't these long, elaborate lists. God just said, you can't do any work on that day. And then in a couple places, he got a little more specific to illustrate for them. But he wanted them to understand, I just want you to rest. And I want this day to be totally set aside for me, uh, for you to enjoy a relationship with me, and for you to rest. And the Pharisees had made it this, this unbearable set of rules. Okay? So number one, we see the Sabbath which illustrates God's loving rules. Number two, in this passage, we see the spirit of the law. The spirit of the law, or really illustrating our loving response to God's rules. Our loving response to God's rules. So if God has given us this book, please follow me here. If God's given us this book so that we can please Him, so that we can enjoy Him, and so that we can help others do the same. When we approach the Word of God and His commands, our focus needs to be pleasing Him, enjoying Him, and helping others do the same. Our focus when we approach this book should not be keeping rules. Our focus should not be checking boxes. Our focus should not be doing things so God's not mad at me or so that so-and-so is not upset with me. That should not be our focus when we come to the Word of God. If He gave us this book so that we could glorify Him, please Him, enjoy Him, and help others do the same, that needs to be our focus when we approach His Word. And we, we, we get into this when you look in the passage. So the Pharisees are walking through the cornfields on the Sabbath day, and as they went, they plucked the ears of corn. Now, in Deuteronomy 23-25, we read that it's perfectly fine if you're passing through your neighbor's cornfield to grab a few grains by handfuls and just eat them for yourself. You're not, you're not bringing your own bag and harvesting you know, their corn, their grain for yourself, but you're getting a little snack on the way. And it was a little provision God had made. It's perfectly fine. So that's what the disciples are doing under the authority of the Lord Jesus. He had obviously authorized them to do so. And the Pharisees come and they say, why do they on the Sabbath day that which is not lawful? Now again, the Old Testament didn't have this long list that included plucking grains of corn on the Sabbath day as work. But the Pharisees had in their long list of rules, one of them was you can't harvest on the Sabbath day. So they interpreted the disciples plucking off a few grains of corn for a little snack as harvesting. And then they come to the Lord Jesus finding fault in what he's doing. Now what you've got to understand... Jesus had a lot of clashes with the Pharisees over the Sabbath, but the Lord Jesus honored the Sabbath. How do we know that? Of all the accusations that they lodged against him at his crucifixion, they did not accuse him of breaking the Sabbath because he kept it according to the word of God and where the rabbis were arguing about little discrepancies and, and, and the exact nature of all these little rules, that's the only place they could find fault. But the Lord Jesus honored the Sabbath. But they, they find a way to try to accuse him. They, they say that his disciples are harvesting grain on the Sabbath day. And then he, he, he poses a question to them in response. Verse 25. Have ye never read what David did when he had need and was in hunger? He and they that were with him, how he went into the house of God in the days of Abiathar the high priest and did eat the showbread, which is not lawful to eat before the priest, and gave also to them which were with him? So he's pointing to a story in 1 Samuel 21, where David is on the run, he's running away from Saul. And so he gets to the priest and he says, and then the priest is, is 
kind of scared seeing David because he's on his own and he looks, he looks like he's on a mission. It just seems like a weird situation. So the, the priest inquires, why are you here? And David lies. David said, I'm on a mission for the king. He said, it's a secret. It, it's really important. Now there we could see, well, David's lying. That's breaking God's law. Well, David understood that pleasing God, enjoying him, and helping others do the same was more important than the, the, the rule there of lying. Because if he were to be honest with that priest, now he's putting the priest in a position, if he helps David, he willfully rebelled against the king. So David's not going to put that man in that position. And so he, 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 he lies, he tells him, I need some bread, and the only bread available is the showbread, which was lawful only for the priest to eat. But again, the priest, knowing that God's word's been given to us so that we can please him, enjoy him, and help others do the same, says, uh, you know what, it, it's holy bread, but if, if the men with you have kept themselves from women, they can go ahead and have it. And so he gives David the showbread. Now, according to the letter of the law, that showbread was only for priests. But in this instance, David and his men needed food for their survival. And so the priest gave them the showbread. And the Lord Jesus points to this as an illustration that God is more concerned with the spirit of the law than the letter of the law. And that rule keeping is not the goal. Pleasing God, enjoying Him, and helping others do the same, that's the goal. That is the goal. And so he uses this as an illustration. And then we come to verse 27. I love this. The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Jesus is pointing out here, God did not create human beings to slavishly obey His rules. He created rules to help His creatures enjoy a relationship with Him. And so focus on the spirit of the law, that there is a God behind these rules who loves you, who wants what's best for you, and don't live a life where you're focused only on rule keeping. Live a life focused on, I want to please God. I want to enjoy a relationship with Him, and I want others, I want to help others do the same. And that should always be our focus. You know, that would help a lot of us, because, you know, some of us by nature are more the rule keeping type. So give us a list of rules, we'll keep them, and then we're good to go. But we can totally lose the hearts of our Christian faith and our religion. I'll give you an example. When I was a kid, here's an example of only focusing on the letter of the law and not understanding the spirit of the law. My parents said, you cannot go in the driveway and play in the driveway unless the gate is closed because we had that alley and we had some strange neighbors and they wanted us to be safe. So early on when this rule was instituted, I guess on the first few occasions, someone had shut it for me and there wasn't a problem, but there came a day when I wanted to play out there on my own and I had a dilemma. I was not allowed to go out into the driveway unless the gate was shut, but it was open. And so how could I go out there to shut the gate <laughs> to keep the rule and break the rule in the process? So I went to my parents and I explained, how can I go out there and shut the gate if I'm not allowed to go out there unless it's shut? So I did not understand the spirit of the law. It was given to protect me. And uh, go out there, shut the gate, you're good to go. 
And so they explain the spirit of the law. But you know that's often how we are as Christians. We are so focused on the nitty-gritty. So an example would be, you're an intercessor, and you've made a commitment. I'm going to pray for my unit. I'm going to pray for the prayer page every week. And we do need to try to honor that commitment. But if, when we get into our prayer time, we're more focused on, I've got to get through this list. I've got to pray for these set items. I have 15 minutes. I've got my timer set. And we miss God in all of that. What's the point? Because he wants us to enjoy our fellowship with him. He wants us to know when we pray that we're not just reading off a list. We are engaging with a lovingly heavenly father who cares about all the things on that list. And we can, we can forget about the, 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 the purpose of all of this and be so focused on the nitty gritty that we, we miss out on this abundant relationship that God wants with us in that moment. But you know, there's also another danger which the Pharisees fell into. Hey, if we just make a bunch of uh, uh, lists of rules that we think we can keep, and we keep those rules, then we're really off the hook of actually worshiping God in our hearts. As long as we fulfill these little items, we're good to go. And, and Christians do the same thing. If I show up at church, if I read a little bit of my Bible here and there, if I give someone a track, even though I don't feel like it, as long as I check off these items, God's happy with me, and then I can go live however I want. And then we come to certain decisions and we ask, is there something in Scripture that strictly forbids me to do this? No? Okay, then I'm going to do it. Where's the relationship there? Where's the asking the Holy Spirit who lives within your heart? Should I do this? Should I go there? Should I eat this? Should I spend time with this person? It's all about a relationship. Pleasing God. Enjoying Him. And helping others do the same. And whenever we get our focus off of that, and whenever our response to God's rules is anything less than love, we've missed the point. We've missed it. We're off track. We're focused on the letter of the law, and we've missed the spirit of it. Our response to God's loving rules should always be that of love. Finally, in this passage, we see the Son of Man, the Son of Man, our loving Lord, our loving Lord. We've seen the Sabbath, God's loving rules. We've seen the spirit of the law, our loving response to God's rules. And then lastly, we see the Son of Man, our loving Lord. In this passage, the Lord says in verse 28, the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. What's he saying? I can do... What I need to do on the Sabbath, because I'm Lord of the Sabbath. And this Sabbath really is a shadow, an illustration pointing to me. And so if I need to allow these disciples to eat a little bit of corn, which isn't violating any Sabbathary law, and if I see someone in, in the next chapter who needs to be healed, this man's hand was paralyzed, it was withered. He, he couldn't even use his hand. If I see someone in need like that, I'm going to heal them. Even though your, your, your scribal law says that you can't do any healing on the Sabbath day, I'm Lord of the Sabbath. And in conclusion, as we're looking at this, God's given us His loving rules. Our response should be that of love. And you know how we're going to live a life like that and manage the different tensions that often we 
seem to find between the letter of the law and the Spirit of the Lord. Just submit to Jesus as your Lord, and He'll help you sort it all out. These guys were so focused on their lists and their ways of seeing things, the Son of God was in their midst, ready to heal people, and they were so enraged that they, they, they conspired to kill Him. They had lost their minds. And you know what? When you and I don't come to the Lord Jesus humbly and just say, you know what, Lord Jesus, you know how I should live a life that's pleasing to God. You know how I can live a life of enjoying a relationship with Him. I'll just let you run things. When we don't come to Jesus humbly like that, we do foolish things just like these Pharisees. And, and his response to us will be the same as it was to them. He said he looked round about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts. You know what that phrase, hardness of their hearts, literally means? Their stubborn stupidity. That's what it means. That's what the Greek means. Their stubborn stupidity. When we respond to God's rules with anything other than love, when the Lord Jesus is trying to show us what this life looks like and we resist Him, it's stubborn stupidity. Because all He's wanting to do is bring us into this abundant fellowship with His Father that He has enjoyed from eternity past. And, and He wants us to know God personally. And if we will just come to Him, the Bible says, tying in this idea of the Sabbath, Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Let's not be stubborn fools like the Pharisees, our, our, our eyes so focused on the letter of the law. Let's look to the Lord Jesus and let Him bring us into this relationship with God that we were meant to enjoy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we've looked at some some powerful truths, and our human mind and, and tongue is often so lacking in trying to communicate these truths. But Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would mercifully take what has been spoken and to apply it to our individual lives in ways that we can understand and in ways that we can apply this week. Oh Lord, we ask that you do this in this time of invitation. In Jesus' name, amen. As the piano plays... If God has spoken to your heart, would you take time to respond?